Welcome to the Mary's Mentors podcast. My name is Mary Rose. And I'm Mary Letitia. So what is our podcast about, Mary? Well, our podcast is about, well, specifically, we're going to be talking today about some human design elements and how that plays into our business and what we think that that could help other people in their business. Uh, we talk about businesses, we talk about women, we talk about human design, and we just have a lot of fun. Absolutely. All right. So we always like to start every episode talking about something that we love. And we recorded a podcast last week, and I think that I brought up the book that I'm reading. Um, but I will also say that I've been listening to some great podcasts episodes lately, and I listened to a couple yesterday specifically. I love for human design. I love the, the day Luna podcast. Um, I listened to the, the episode yesterday about the topic we're talking about today. And those ladies have such good, um, information. And I also might have a preference because they're both projectors. So I feel like, uh, they have a lot of knowledge about tons of human design topics, but I like that they're really projector. They, they can always relate it back to projectors. Absolutely. <clears throat> I actually just got through this morning listening to Armchair Expert, which I'm a huge fan of, but they had Adam Grant on, and I'm not sure if you know who Adam Grant is, but he's a psychologist. Um, and he is a professor at the Wharton School University of Pennsylvania, but he's got a ton of TED Talks out there. And I just, I've watched him in TED Talks and he um, just has great um, ways of thinking outside of the box. So rethinking things. And um, anyway, I, I, I can't wait. I, I haven't listened to the whole end of the episode, but I really do like him. Again, Mindset Mentor this week was really fabulous. And then um, I wanted to find that book. I just barely started that book from that gal that you showed me. Oh, the, the body is not an apology. Yes, the body is not an apology. It's a, um, I, I, I want to call it a radical self love book. Um, and maybe I read that somewhere or it's on her thing, but I'm really excited about reading this book and, and um, learning more about some radical self love. So. Yes. Oh, I love her. And um, I had that Sonia Renee Taylor wrote that and I found her on Instagram. And that's where I sent the information to Mary because when she speaks, she speaks so beautifully. And so from such a heartfelt place, um, she does some great IGTVs on Instagram. So go check her out. Her, her ad is Sonia Renee Taylor. And also the, another at is the body is not an apology. She has a site for her book. Um, and I was going to say, when you were talking about armchair expert, when you said Adam Grant, and then you said where he worked and I was like, I think they had an episode with him before. And then I looked on the podcast and it said, Adam Grant returns. And I'm like, I did listen to the first episode of armchair expert with him. Is he, is it organizational psychology? Is that what he, you know, I, I, don't know what he specializes in I know he's got books on different thought processes and like how to rethink situations um but honestly I oh yeah he's an organizational psychologist yeah okay so that's exactly I remember him 
And um, yeah, that is, I would definitely recommend if you are looking for podcasts, Armchair Expert, really pretty much every person he has on is fantastic in some way, shape or form. Especially uh, an expert on experts episodes. Yes, yes those are so good. And doctors and people who write amazing books and yeah, so it's hard though if you're if you're if it's somebody who's doing press for a specific thing like I listened to the Glennon Doyle one and I love Glennon but because she very specifically was was talking about her book and I'd read the book it you know sometimes those can be kind of repetitive because they're just kind of regurgitating some of the things that are in that book that they're plugging for for whatever appearance that they're on yeah. but there's usually some good little stories he pulls out some good stuff from everyone he really does. He really makes people talk about things they're super uncomfortable about talking about. And I think that's fabulous. I do too. I like that. And I, I, I love it when I love it when he has someone else who's sober on with him. <laughs> like I think that he had the gentleman. I remember the, um, the guy that was the sheriff on stranger things. And he, they talked about working their programs. And I just, I just like being able to hear those, those stories it's not just for entertainment purposes. It's actually kind of for some re-education for people about addiction. And I, I am an avid listener. I've gone back and listened to every episode. And so his best friend, Aaron Winkley, is also sober with him now. And so they were talking about planning a dunes trip and, and like just how small things have changed or when they're flying at first class and how, you know, their, their thought mentality used to be like, I want to drink enough to pay for my plane ticket almost, you know, and just that, that scarcity mindset of, you know, making sure to I don't know. I'm super frugal too. So if I'm getting something free with something that I'm doing, I feel the same way. Like my brain works that way, but I just thought it was super interesting now that his best friend from forever is, is also sober with him, that it's just a totally different outlook for those two and how they plan vacations and how they do things. And um, they still hang out with people who drink and they're totally capable of doing that. And I think that that's super interesting as well. So, I mean, they're not around people that drink a ton, but I know mm -hmm. that, you know, Monica and Kristen both you know, tap into the wine once in a while and it's not a, it's not a big deal. And so right. I just it's, think that that's interesting as well. It's a really important part of everyone's recovery journey when they decide to quit drinking, that the decision ultimately is always going to have to come down to their decision first and foremost. Like when I quit drinking, I told, I, I asked my husband what he thought, but I, much like most of my life, I've never actually cared exactly. Like I went asking for permission. I just more so uh, we'll talk about my profile in a second, using my profile <laughs> to feel things out. But my husband was like, yeah, you can quit drinking. I, I'm not going to quit drinking. And I was like, okay, that's cool. I'm not asking you to. That wasn't the question. Um, the question was just, how do you feel about me no longer drinking? And he was like, I feel okay about it. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, the thing is, I felt okay about it too. Um, but if you want to see a scarcity mindset in action, just throw the words all inclusive onto something like that is 
scarcity mindset at work. People like I took an all-inclusive Mexican trip to Mexico. Um, Of course, it was with one of those places that now calls me incessantly and tries to get me to book a thing. And then you've got to go to a timeshare in order to get the the great price. You got to go to a timeshare presentation. It's just bananas. Um, But when I went to Mexico on an all-inclusive trip thinking, oh, it's so good that, you know, I took for granted that everything about the heat and the humidity would make me not want to eat. And I, I really didn't like, I got wasted. Don't get me wrong. I got wasted. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was not what I envisioned. It wasn't like just a glutton fest because I could, I just wasn't hungry. I just kind of, it's weird. Humidity affects me differently. And that really zapped my hunger. So I was like, what the fuck? I'm not even eating that much. This is complete bullshit. Next time we would go to Mexico, I'm like, I would never go all inclusive again because I didn't take advantage of it the way I thought I would. And yeah. And now that you're not a drinker, like not even that piece would pay off. Well, yeah, maybe if I was eating only, like if I was just really dedicated to spending every meal, like I'm, and, and also that's the mentality is food would get in the way of trying to get a buzz in Mexico too. And if I wasn't feeling particularly hungry, but I could still drink, I'll just take my calories that way. Um, we, I'll, I'll stop talking about Mexico before we get into the, the story of my blackout followed by the worst excursion that I could have possibly gone on hungover. We'll save that one. I'll tuck that story away and I'll tell it some other day on the podcast. Uh, maybe we'll have people that tell us, Hey, so Mary Rose mentioned that story about getting wasted in Mexico. When's that story going to come? <laughs> oh, maybe when I start drinking again. No. So today our, we did a little research and we're going to keep this brief. So I wanted to talk about profiles because as we continue to each dig into our own personal human design charts, we're finding more and more things that we can look at and research and our, um, each of our profiles is different. And so yesterday I did a little bit of research and looking into what is the difference between what we've talked about already, which is type and authority. What, what, you know, how do those differ in this case from a profile? And what I found is that the profile is actually our personality archetype, which I think to Myers-Briggs, those different combinations became archetypes for 16 different personalities. Um, and there's a website, 16 personalities. You can go and do your thing and find out what you are. And funny story, I am an, uh, my husband is an INTJ and I know that because I am an ESFP. Every single letter of my husband's Myers-Briggs is the exact opposite of every single letter in my own Myers-Briggs, which is hilarious. But with within human design, there are 12 profiles and each are represented by a combination of numbers. So there's the first number and then the second number. And I, I loved the Day Luna podcast because it did give information about where in your chart those numbers are located because it's not obvious and I thought that was kind of interesting um but the two numbers represent the first number is representative of our conscious self and that is how we take in information and learn new things and then the second number is our unconscious self which is 
how we teach the information that we learned. So I've talked a little bit, so I want Mary to go first because I want to see what she's really connected with about her, like talk about her own profile and then talk about what she connects with the most, like her aha. All right. Well, I'm a two, four, um, two, four is called the hermit optimist. So, um, it, it sounds, everything I read starts out saying it sounds horrible in all the wrong ways, <laughs> um, but ultimately everything that I've ever done, I've been an introvert extrovert. Um, and it's been very confusing because I've been around a lot of people who were introverts, who I, I get along really great with and who are extroverts, who I also really connect with on a level. So the hermit optimist does make me make more sense now because yes, I'm a hermit. And that being on that first line um, means that that's, that's how I take in information. That's how I learn um, consciously. And it's also how I re replenish myself is to be alone. I really do need specific alone time and I, I read so many articles last night that I can't even tell you, um, <laughs> but ultimately I, um, that alone time has to be super productive, um, in a way that is energizing. And that doesn't make sense to a lot of people. So, um, it made me immediately go back to one of my first alone, um, pastimes that I picked up by myself, which was kayaking. And being able to be out in nature and touch nature alone and learn something brand new all by myself. I didn't take lessons. I didn't go seek out an instructor, um, which will make sense in a minute. <laughs> um, but I, I really did go out and, and do this adventure all by myself. I, I remember when I was looking at kayaks, my youngest Emily was standing next to me and she goes, where am I going to fit? And I said, you don't. <laughs> you're staying home she was devastated I think she was probably six or seven years old you know so she was little and and I, I raised three kids by myself so I really needed to be able to learn something alone by myself so I just thought that was really interesting it brought me back to to um why I do things alone that people are like you do that all by yourself I'm like yeah it's my favorite thing and I love to also share that with people. So that's the unconscious or that line two, that optimist portion of me. Or is it line four? four. <laughs> well, the reason I got confused is because it's the second line. And I wanted to say the second line yeah. represents that, uncon or that unconscious. It's um, like two or T-O-O. <laughs> and so how we teach, and that for me is the the line four, which is that optimist um, section. So the optimist is actually a people person, a socialite, um, somebody who looks for opportunities to, to be with people, um, to share information with people, and to gather people, um, to, to bring people together as a community. So that's really interesting as well, because after a few years when I mastered my kayaking, I immediately wanted to share it but only with certain people. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and this also makes sense to me with my previous life at EBMS. Yeah. I really was able to be the, I don't want to like sound braggy, but to be a center, the center of that department or the newcomers of that department to really bring them together for a 
a really safe learning environment. And building that community at EBMS meant that all of those new people that came through me, whether they were coming to my department or not, still came to me for things. I built this community. I mean, people still reach out to me. People who I've trained, who no longer at EBMS, still will reach out to me for things um, because I touched their lives in a, in a way that, that meant something to them. So I just thought that that was really interesting um, in the research that I did about myself. So I think all of that is so, so true for you. And one of the things I did read, okay, so we are going to shit talk for just a second because Jovian Archive is where you can go and get a free, free body graph and that's great and everything, but trying to get information from them is really like trying to get blood from a stone. But one thing I did read, and I'm just referencing Jovian Archive because when I looked up profiles and I was doing my research, they had mentioned, and I liked this, that these personalities are almost like costumes and that we can try on other costumes. Like you probably by nature of working with me, try on my costumes and I probably try on your costumes quite a bit. Like we might take those costumes off and trade places a little bit, but really where we're always working our best is within our own profile. Um, and so I'll talk about mine a little bit because I just thought that idea of costumes and that we do, like, I could say I'm probably sometimes a little bit of a heretic, you know, that, that, that five line that my husband has that I don't have, I probably try on because I live with a five, two. Um, heretic in my family. Who's the heretic? Your son's the heretic. Yeah. And, and then when you kind of realize some of the masculine energy around heretics, I don't know, that's kind of, I don't know. There's just a lot of interesting things that you can untap there. Um, so my profile is a one three. Um, I'm the investigator martyr, which is hilarious to me because we have always been like, because I was raised Catholic, yep, a recovering Catholic here. Martyrdom is like something that's talked about so much in Catholicism. It is just so, you know, Jesus was a martyr. He, um, and, and we've always kind of, my mother, we, we've compared to being a martyr because it's always like the sacrifice. We're always sacrificing. Martyrs are just always putting, and most of the time it's really for guilt inducing purposes, at least from my experiences, like the, the willingness to sacrifice yourself is almost to be able to tell other people how great you are. Um, so I've always had like some, some strong feelings about the word martyr. So that to find out that this is part of my profile was, you know, surprising, but so the investigator, my, my one line, my first line is the one and it, to me, explained why I have Velma from Scooby-Doo my entire life. Like maybe Scooby-Doo was the first influence, but obviously um, what we got, you know, that's probably also where you get into my, you try on the investigator role because you love true crime. Is like we all try on these different roles when we have an interest that kind of peaks mm -hmm. something about that, even if it's not our specific profile. Um, so investigator, I'm, I need to basically, I love to research. I love to investigate. Like some of my favorite jobs have been where I've been needing to dig into something and investigate it and find the root cause, find the error, find the problem, figure, figure it out. Um, it lights me up in a weird way to 
you know, research. I loved fraud orders when I worked for an online retailer because I loved tracking down the right person whose card got stolen and used to place an order and, and telling them like that really gave me so fucking much satisfaction, so much satisfaction. Um, and then my three line, my martyr line, I have to actually pull up a little bit. Um, because I, you know, that one, I know my investigator quite well, my three line, I'm so, oh, that's where the need to, it's the experimenter. Um, it, it really, the, the, the three line is, well, it's, I think the martyr piece is what it's commonly called when you go to a lot of different websites and stuff. It really, uh, oh no, sorry, the scientist. So that's really where I like to, I can see a big picture and I want to test out different ways to get to a, a desired outcome. But what Mary and I were talking about right before we started recording was that um, when I don't believe something will work, I rigidly oppose it. I don't want to do it. It's it, it really goes again. And I feel like that is part of our human design is how much goes against our own intuition about things in the, for the sake of, of experimenting and trying things out. Um, there's like that delicate balance between if you don't experiment, then you never will know the answer. But at the same time, I can see far enough into the future that I can probably tell you if that outcome is going to give you what you want, or, you know, if that action is going to give you what you want. And if it won't, I'd be like, don't do it. I tell my kids all the time, it's not going to work. Sorry. It's not going to work. And it drives my little manifesting generator son absolutely bananas because I don't let him, I don't let him experiment as much as he probably should be. Um, yeah, we'll have to look into our kids as I didn't really do dive into a I lot of take a glance just because it's as soon as I learn about me that I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on with everyone else? So um Michaela is me. She, yeah. she I poor little girl, I've said that her whole life, and we are so profiled almost exactly. Almost exactly. I think the only thing that's different is our arrows. Oh, really? And I'm looking really quickly at Elora because um, I don't offhand recall. I luckily I only have the two kids, but then I have my husband who I'm always balancing out. So Elora is a opportunist slash role model. She's a four six. Mm. Um, and then Coulter, that sweet little baby boy. He is, he's a five one. I don't think that's, I don't know. I think that his dad is a five two, but let me just double check. But if th that would make sense, all these boys, yep, dad's a five two. So boys and the heretic line, interesting. Very and interesting. We, don't, we don't even put in gender. That's what's kind of strange is that the, the, the nothing about your body graph has anything to do with gender orientation at all. So the fact that all of these boys he's exactly what that is yeah a heretic investigator no that's your son too isn't it no yeah he's a five one a heretic investigator thad's a five two a heretic hermit so both of our sons are five ones heretic investigators that's bananas and i don't have very many guy charts but i'm just looking at one more and then actually my 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 other guy chart that i have is the same as elora 
So, yeah, I just, it's been really, I love learning and diving more. And I think, you know, as we, we always will be relating to ourselves because that is what we know and understand the best. There are so many other people and places and, you know, things, nouns, essentially what I just described, people, places, things. Um, (laughs) There's so many nouns. Um, the different combinations, finding out what you are, doing your own research. I mean, that's part of the whole process of human design. So we encourage you to look at your chart, pull up some information. We'll have some information in our show notes um, about some of the different things, like mentioning the, I'll link to the Jovian Archive article about profiles where I saw the costume comment. but yeah, I like personality archetypes. I think that makes a lot of sense to us in um, not just how our energy works. That's so much of all of the other piece, but this is really more specifically how we are seen in the world and how we see ourselves in the world. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. Th- this was a really interesting research project I am fell down a rabbit hole of YouTube videos and there's some, there's some fun stuff out there. Yeah, I will. I've not, I don't really go into YouTube and watch very much. I just, I don't know if my, I have a weird attention span. I have the attention span that I can dedicate to reading, but sometimes I just don't have the same attention span to watch. I hate YouTube videos. Like I didn't remember how much I hate them. I'd much rather, I read probably five or six articles, which I will make sure that are linked in the, in the show notes. Uh, Cause I think everybody has a, a different, interesting angle on this, um, which I mean, just the more I read, the more I felt was valid information. So um, the, the YouTube videos, I really wanted to listen to somebody explain a couple of these. So I did find a couple that, that um, were doable but i'm just not a youtuber it turns out my all of my children are they're constantly watching i know every I child is I can't get into it um i'm constantly looking at how long is this video is if, if it's over five minutes i'm probably not gonna watch yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. there is definitely a deal like my kids are like oh yeah i'll watch two hours of this asshole playing a video game um or vine compilation so vine used to be a thing kind of like it was like snapchat or um tiktok before snapchat and tiktok and it was like where a lot of the old memes were born from and so my daughter will just like seriously watch hours of old vines and then my kids quote them back and forth to each other which make no sense to their old slightly i guess now we're becoming the boomers and it's driving me absolutely insane like my better term for ourselves we are not we're not boomers. Well, my dad, my dad loves YouTube. Let me tell you, I get at least, I, while I was sleeping last night, I got three YouTube links from my father um, because he loves being able to find music. He is such a music fan and he loves old, like just country bluegrass. Um, he also loves this girl who has Tourette's who does make videos of herself doing things with her Tourette's. And he's like, you know, he, he, and it's not, and what I liked about this, I thought was different is it, it's not like trying to make fun. It's really just her showing her experience with it. And it's not to like, it's not to poke fun. I have a hard time with things that are like poking fun of somebody for any difference in their ability level. But I really liked, she's like, she read a bedtime story 
and she's like, I'm just going to relax. So I'm not going to try to hold my ticks in so you can kind of see. And then she also, there's another video of her making cookies and she's British. And he just, he apparently just finds these things by doom scrolling. And he had to explain to me, doom scrolling is when you're watching a video, but then you're down below it scrolling for what's, what's the it's it's the thing that I was like, what are you, my kids, like, what are you doing? Michaela's a, a doom scroller yeah. constantly. Um, and I love the videos that she watches, though, because she's obsessed with drag queens. So we get to watch everybody makeup in a million different ways and how they fix the, I just love it, applying wigs. And I just love the way that she watches videos because I love her subject matter so much. But Trevor got into YouTube for music, too, and he really... I was listening to that kid listen to music a year, year and a half before it was ever on the radio. Mm -hmm. And he was really good at finding the good music. But one of my exes was a YouTube music person too. Um, so I forget how much music you can find on YouTube. Oh yeah. I mean, and I am part of a group on Facebook called song of the day. I love it. It was, you know, my friend Matthew's kind of creation. And now he's been deactivated his Facebook for a while, but the group goes on. That's what's kind of amazing is that music will continue to bring people together. And um, I, I hate indicating what date these are because I know we're not going to re be recording and releasing all of our podcasts right, you know, right after they have right after they happen. But we, we have a plan. Don't don't worry. But um yesterday was was the anniversary of Buddy Holly and Richie Valens and the Big Bopper and the plane crash that killed them. Really, and we remember it every year because it's always two days before my dad's birthday. And um, so I, when when he had sent me the text message that said, "Oh God, what did he say?" It was just, it was really quick. It wasn't like yeah, these three videos. God bless Buddy, Richie, and JP was the was what he sent me yesterday. But he sent me Abby, the spoon, the spoon lady. She's a plays spoons. Just she's all over the place, just clacking those spoons. Um, and I get a lot of old bluegrass stuff from him. A lot of old bluegrass and rockabilly. He is a huge rockabilly fan. So rockabilly, I do too. I just and I love to sometimes share what he has sent me with song of the day because it's just like say that I miss live music maybe more than anything. I, I, I've never gone this long without being at a concert since I was little. I mean, really little. Music is something that my grandmother made sure was in my life. She brought me to my very first big concert. What was your first big concert? Reba McIntyre here. <gasps> Reba. Oh, that's a great Reba. first. Concert. Oh my God. Yeah. I'll never forget it. Like it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. You know who else she got me? She took me to George Strait. Ooh. I know. Ready. She took me to the all the best. And when I got to come and see Garth Brooks later on in life, just a few years ago, like it made me cry because it was the only big artist that she did not get to see. Oh. Yes. But she he played like what, seven shows while he was here oh because he's just a lunatic? Yeah. Well, and there's so many people to see him. Like, God. Yeah. People came from the whole state, Wyoming, for to to see him. But yeah, he, um, he had to do multiple shows in Montana, y'all. That's that's how much we love our Garth. We do. One of the things that I forget about my grandma is she was raised in a string band. So oh, she was never good at music. 
She loved it and she would sing, but she never was confident. She was like the June Carter <laughs> because June Carter sang, but she wasn't necessarily known as being a good singer, a great singer. And so, but all of her brothers and her dad and uncles, everybody played fiddles and guitars. And um, I got my first fiddle from my great uncle, um, which I always called a violin because I didn't, I wasn't really hillbilly and we didn't call them fiddle, fiddles. Because um. <laughs> I wore shoes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I do miss that piece of, of life right now. And I'm just hoping that we get back to at least being able to go to an outdoor concert where we can listen to some people spread their art because it's not the same on the screen. It's just not that no. live music is just something that is lacking. I don't miss hardly anything else. I don't miss other gatherings of any sort. Yeah, it's true. I mean, music is one of those things that it almost kind of starts looking at it as it's kept a lot of people alive. Like music during this time has really helped a lot of people and not being able to see it live does change the energy. I'm very, very blessed because last year, last year, right before pandemic, I got to go see my husband and, and his best friend from like fifth grade. And I, we all went, we were in the fifth grade together. It's so cute. Um, we went to corn and I, that has really helped sustain me is the fact that I got to see corn in February last year. And then in March, like, the Tuesday before lockdown really started before that, that Tuesday before Friday, the 13th um, soul asylum was here and I got to go see them, which again, another weird like nineties band that, that you forget some of the songs that they used to sing because it's been so long since they were on the radio. But even Thad, the other Thad, like last month goes, I heard Soul Asylum on that new radio station, you know, 105.1 here in town is kind of the newer radio station that plays a bunch of stuff. And he's like, I think it was Soul Asylum. I was like, oh, was it this? And I sang a little song. He's like, no. And I said, was it this song? And he's like, and then he pulled it up on his phone. It was Misery. Um, Misery Incorporated, I think is what it's called. Misery Inc. Um, but yeah, I, I am, I, I want to see things like, I want to see the Black Keys in concert. I want to see JD McPherson again. I saw him with my dad and that was an incredible show. <sighs> yeah, I'm ready to do some music. All of them. Um, I miss, I just miss it. I'm, I do feel like we are so incredibly lucky that we live in a technology-based time where we can have access to all the music all the time if we, if we want to. And, and that is a blessing for sure, because you're right. It has saved people through this pandemic, but just can't wait till we get to the live action. Me too. And I was thinking on that same topic, it used to be that if you didn't have like, even before records, like think about the time before records when people just had to, if you weren't listening to a band play music, you didn't have music, period. Yeah, that's crazy. And and that's why I think it's interesting that my grandma got to grow up in a band, in a string band where they absolutely played music three, four nights a week. Yep, absolutely. Well, let's wrap this up. All right. Well, we've now gone over profiles. We've talked about how much we love live music and now it's time to wrap it up. So is there anything you want to tell our listeners today, Miss Mary Letitia? Um, I think everybody should have a great day. It's cold out there. Our winter's finally hit. <laughs> Winter has come y'all. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope your days be merry and bright and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.